0: Welcome to Play Nice Radio, where it's all mantic all the time. Go mango. Go mango, go, man, go. welcome to episode three of Play Nice Radio. Woohoo! That's Steve. That's that's you your miss- traditional woo-hoo, isn't it? Woo-hoo! That is not it woo thats the co-host with the most co-host with the Mo host. Something What? I was, what? I was trying to come up with a line to introduce you; it didn't work. But uh, co-host Steve Evans, how are you, Steve?
1: Aha, me hearties!
0: <laughs> it's the lazy pirate.
1: It be the lazy pirate, error. <laughs> are
0: you reclining on your? Are you reclining on your chaise long?
1: I am, mate. I am painting. painting.
0: Away. Good man, good man. Um, this is a bit of a special episode, actually, because we've got not one but two very, very special guests. What two? Two very special guests.
1: Sure.
0: They're that special. I don't feel like I need to give either of them an introduction, but oh, I right. suppose a better had because that's how these things work. Are we expecting yes. someone
2: else later than than Sean?
0: We are, mate. Yeah, yeah. I'll kick you two off. <laughs> I'm bringing <laughs> the real people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that voice you heard then was Ian Davis. Ian hashtag Dead Zone is life Davis. Allegedly, uh, it's in black and white now, mate, in the rule book. <laughs>
1: it is. It
0: is. <laughs> and uh, joining Mr. Davis with us, we have Andy Sharp and uh, Andy Doctor Deadzone Sharp. Apparently, <laughs> again, <laughs> it's a, so uh, we're very grateful, honoured, and privileged to have uh, the two main. Names that you'll find on the inside cover of the brand new, glossy, shiny, fantastic, Claudio to him, third edition, two thirds of the main names <laughs> that are there. It never Claudio, Claudio. We will get you on the cast. So, does that
1: mean next time I see these two guys, I'm going to, get them to sign my book?
0: We'll sign what? anything you want, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be a book, mate.
1: Hey. <laughs> if you want it devalued a
0: little bit
1: then sure yeah well yeah there is that i
0: space. so uh this is episode three of the play nice radio podcast where it's all mantic all the time um episode two yeah. <laughs> just for the listeners we're oh there's a whiteboard just for the listeners we are on a video call and i'm having various faces pulled at me um by my guests. However, <laughs> Steve, goodness me. <laughs> I may release this as a YouTube video. I, I thought about it with that. the first one. Don't
1: but... do that.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> we are in festive attire. I'm in a rather fetching red uh, thing with reindeers and Christmas trees on. Steve, what have you got? I'm
1: wearing my uh, Spruce Springsteen t-shirt.
0: Spruce Springsteen, I like it. It's mm-hmm. tasty. Andy?
3: I've got my uh, festive Cthulhu jumper on.
0: And Mr. Davis, uh, not in a Christmas jumper, but you are in um, a festive hat, which pleases me no end because we are very near to Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all the listeners, all 15 of you. And to all the guests on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, May your Christmas wishes come true. So today or tonight, whenever, um, we're going to be looking at Dead Zone. Hashtag, Dead Zone is life. Third edition, recently released, and I think it's been out in the community long enough now for people to have formed opinions and drawn up a few lists and played a few games. So it's been out in the wild now for a little while, but it didn't just appear. It didn't just appear as if by some Christmas magic. Some hard work went on behind the scenes and the two guests that we have with us today were both instrumental in the production of that, along with Claudio and obviously uh, Mantic and the playtesters, etc. Uh, before we get there, I don't think we need to do a massive sort of hobby background for you, pair. You've both you both experienced podcasters from Weight of Fire and Frantic Gamers, respectively, both now, should we say, on hiatus?
3: I'd say uh, definitely, yeah, uh, definitely needed some resuscitation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Need a shot of adrenaline somewhere.
2: As, as I've had to point out several times, frantic gamers, we, we haven't fallen out, we haven't fled the country and we're not dead. So technically, we still exist.
0: So it's not mm-hmm. um, uh, musical differences or? No, not at all. <laughs> something along those lines. It wasn't looking at the difficult second album. That uh, <laughs> put you off. Yeah, um, we
1: have gone off to play AOS or, um, oh, or you 40K? Know, 40k or something. No, like. no,
2: nothing controversial
1: like that.
0: No. Oh my God, that would be controversial, wouldn't it?
1: That would be. That would be oh, just the thought of it.
0: Oh. I was an avid <laughs> listener to both podcasts, actually, and I, I, I do miss them. Terrible. And me. And me. Uh Hence why you,
1: we're you here. <laughs>
0: Hence, why Plain Ice Radio is here, filling the gap until the two uh, real uh, podcasts stand back up and uh, give us some content. Um, so, uh, rather than going into the usual sort of hobby background, going back to when you were kids playing with marbles and FX soldiers, although Ian, you might be too young for that, I don't know. Um, Let's just uh, see how you both got into Dead Zone, the game, because I think it's probably been out seven, eight years now. Maybe I think 2013 was the original Kickstarter somewhere. That's around. Yep. Were you in that Ian?
2: I did back the original Kickstarter. Yes, yeah. it was. I think it was the first Kickstarter I ever backed of any description, um, and also my first Mantic game, and the site of this. Small footprint board, but in three dimensions with towering blocks of buildings, just captured me. And I was in and spent an unfeasible amount of money on that Kickstarter. (laughs) Can you remember how much? No, because they opened the pledge manager three times before it delivered. So (laughs) you could never be quite sure how much you'd already spent and how much (laughs) you're spending now. It was an absolute genius method.
0: I was at the Mantic Open Day when um, the pledges had arrived and been boxed up and people were receiving them. They they picked them up on the day. I don't know if you were there yourself. I was. I uh,
2: collected in person.
0: And the, there were people walking around with incredibly large boxes <laughs> yeah. of plastic and resin. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a quite memorable day. I, I wasn't in on the Kickstarter. Came into it slightly later, but... Uh, I guess you had everything that was uh, available then, if if you threw that much money at it.
2: Uh, not quite, but I did buy a lot of terrain.
0: Yeah. And you haven't regretted it since, have you?
2: No, of course not. Uh, equally, I haven't built it all either.
0: Really? <laughs> I've still got more. Oh my god. <laughs> so uh, you you were just roped in by the the visuals uh, initially. What about the yeah. idea of playing on a grid?
2: I'll be honest, I didn't look into the rules too much during the Kickstarter. It was definitely the visuals. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the Plague models, still to this day, the Plague 1A is iconic. I think he's just... He, Could, he represents the game visually. Um, couldn't but agree also, more
1: with you. That model is still favourite model.
2: Mm. Yep, yep. Absolutely um, awesome. That, uh, the enforcers and, and, yeah, just just the the towering three-dimensional cityscape represented by the board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself, Andy? What, so what was your first contact with the game?
3: Uh, I actually um, didn't know anything about it initially. Never back to the first Kickstarter or anything like that. I actually discovered Mantic Games just before the Kings of War version 2. Kickstarter and I um sort of was looking for a mass combat fantasy game at that point. Uh look at 40 uh, sorry um, Warhammer hadn't hadn't died its death at that point. I was just interested in maybe getting back into stuff. So I I backed that one and then the whilst I was looking around, obviously a spotted dead zone. Um and I, I liked the look of it, but I wasn't really drawn in at that point because it wasn't really played or for sale particularly Uh, but then soon after the second kickstarter dropped and so i went all in on the second kickstarter picked up some old first edition stuff that people were getting rid of and i'd say similarly to ian really i thought the aesthetics were really cool i really liked the fact it was not a grim dark world stuff like that that it felt more real corporate and all that sort of stuff almost like a slightly dystopian future view of what mankind could achieve in the commas. Um, And I did really also like um, certainly the plague, I thought were visually very good. And in the second Kickstarter, the Xeomin were just like, yeah, okay. I'm totally in now space rats. Just beautiful moment, to be honest, Um, particularly as they didn't really exist in other games of that sort of type, you know, infinity 40k that sort of thing there wasn't this yeah. sort of race uh, species i should say um and so yeah i was i only really got in then but I, I got in pretty hard and um yeah really really liked it and i guess sort of moving on to where you're going to next i found because i like the rats i like the deermen. i found pretty quickly that they weren't really doing what they said on the tin and that then prompted me to start looking at how I would do things differently and that sort of then stimulated a path to get involved in actually you know trying to make the game do what I felt the game did in an unofficial capacity at that point of course.
0: Yeah so uh, just going back to uh, that initial poll was the grid the idea of the grid system alien to you were you quite receptive of it what what did you think of it
3: um i don't think i looked too deeply into that if i'm honest Uh, i did look at the gameplay um there wasn't a lot of stuff out there on gameplay though video wise or anything like that um i got an old first edition book rule book before the second edition one dropped and thought what have i bought because I didn't
0: really
3: <laughs> I didn't really like the alternating status, which was a key thing of version one. I sort of went, this is just up and down, and weird, no one ever dies. Um, but thankfully, when version two came, it was such a different game, it was great. But the, I wouldn't say the grids necessarily excited me, enticed me. I sort of looked at them, probably like a lot of people look at them and go, hmm, okay, let's see how it plays. Because it is quite an odd game. Concept when you're used to tape measures and whatever in, in pretty much every other game that exists, or something that I at that time.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's something I think that's struck me actually coming back to it and, and playing third edition because um, I'm quite used to grid star games, um, but despite the fact that you're only playing on a two foot square mat. Are you all right, Ian? <laughs> it's like the happy elf in the corner. <laughs> uh, despite it being on a two-foot square mat, you don't, uh, the game doesn't feel constrained by the size of the mat because of the vertical nature of it. Um, and so the grid movements and the, the grid style of play just seems to lend itself to that, uh, that idea of volume. Of space that you can play in in that 3D space, which uh, has always intrigued me. Uh, Steve I'm not sure sure if I've ever asked you what was your first contact. What with to mm.
1: I'm not sure really. Um, I cannot, what do you think? Uh, probably just seeing the plague models.
0: Mm. Did you go much starter?
1: No, no. Kings of War was always my first as I've always said before, Kings of War was my first love and got me into the um it's probably watching some YouTube video or something like that basically. So
0: some dodgy way to fire video probably, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, well I went out to Wofcon by myself, um at the first WolfCon. Um, yeah to play Dead Zone. Um that's when I first got into it, really.
0: Hmm. I, mean, long, it's, it's that, I think it's it is an easy game to get into, isn't it? Uh,
1: first WoFFCon
3: was twenty seventeen, maybe. I
0: can't remember.
1: But yeah, as a bit like what Ian said, you know, mean it was the aesthetic of the plague more than anything. That they are hmm. still my my love when it comes to the Dead Zone.
0: I do. I agree, I agree that that stage one model, that stage one A model, is just.
1: Oh, it's just
0: awesome. It's incredible. It's uh, one of the best figures of any range anywhere for me. <laughs> um, okay, so you both came into it from slightly different angles, uh, but both uh, became involved in development, certainly through the expansion books that came. Uh, with second edition which was a new concept wasn't it how how did that first come about Andy
3: um so like I said I think I first started getting involved to some extent because I I realized that the vehement weren't doing what I wanted so I actually started an unofficial group on Facebook of sort of like-minded individuals who I'd got chatting with on Facebook posts and stuff And the whole idea was that was to create some suggestions to then feed back to the Rules Committee for Mantic and say, you know, we think we've tried these things out. We think this would be useful. And there wasn't a lot of activity from the Rules Committee in those days on Facebook posts and stuff. Um, And so we sort of just sort of led the sort of thing of just taking it on ourselves. And it was really productive. And somehow, I don't really know why, I then got uh, contacted by uh, Mantic and asked to join the rules committee and uh, was offered a rules committee for firefight or for dead zone and at the time I was quite keen on firefight because um, it, the kickstarter had just funded and I went all in on that as well um, <laughs> but uh, but I wasn't playing it I didn't really feel that I, anyone was playing it I was playing dead zone a lot at that stage so I asked to join a Dead Zone one, and um, I guess, yeah, the rest is history. But um, what happened when I joined a Dead Zone group was that there were some very engaged individuals there. There was myself and two other new members, and then two long long-standing members who'd been there since V1. Um, and it was quite clear that the, the newer members were quite passionate and wanted to things on in different directions. Um, and those members who'd been there for a while, I've done a huge amount to make V2, could um, have come
1: from
3: V1. Um, but it was quite clear that we all had different challenges in our lives, and so we weren't, it wasn't necessarily easy to, to work things forward. So we did, um, we did an FAQ, which as with all FAQs, not only answering questions, but being a bit of an errata as well. But it, it was quite clear that particularly the VMA, but also some other things, needed to be expanded including the new models from the warpath universe that weren't in the v2 book so they needed somewhere to live but then the conversation moved around to what became outbreak the first friendship um and that was an interesting process you know we sort of designed a lot of stuff and did a lot of playtesting. i i've always been a massive sort of advocate of feedback from actual games um Mm -hmm. rather just um theorizing about what's good and that's probably where me and ian sort of ended up talking a lot uh about dead zone because we would play at often at black dragon or somewhere they ran some events at that time and obviously we'd post online and we probably only really got to know each other through that um so Ian became sort of someone I would run ideas. Ian wasn't in the rules committee at that point, but someone I would run ideas by. Who um, things I was thinking of, and Ian being a bit of a misery guts would be quite, a, <laughs> quite a good foil to my enthusiasm. Um, but that made it it, quite a quite nice balance, actually.
2: It needed a lot of good foiling. <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you were the uh, you were the straight guy, were you to uh, Andy's funny guy.
2: <laughs> yeah that's one way of putting it
0: <laughs> so just for you then, Ian, going back to that period that Andy's talking about is game development something you've always had an interest in have you done any any of it before uh
2: not not particularly it's not in the the long distant past um like Andy says, I was play testing for some of the second edition supplements but only came onto the a new Sort of rebound rules committee was formed for for well it wasn't even slated as third edition originally, but just sort of looking towards the development of Dead Zone over the sort of about a year and a half ago. Um and so it, it could have it could have been a supplement, another supplement for second, but in the end it was decided that a third edition was the better way to go. And so that's when I came on board as as rules committee. So it, was, it was sort of revamped with me, Andy, and Claudio at that point.
0: So that was post escalation, then the the second uh, supplement. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and did you have any involvement and in playtesting in, in that supplement?
2: Escalation, yeah, mm, yeah,
0: because I think they were both really well received, weren't they, amongst the Dead Zone community? Because not only did they address some of any imbalance that was perceived uh, in that original rulebook but certain aspects of the game were cleaned up there's bits added in with new scenarios and uh, the interactive terrain that came um, as well as new factions as well
3: yeah
2: well second edition had been out for sort of two two and a half years we we're just sort of rolling along and i, th- I think mantic weren't quite sure uh, what direction it was going in but but were willing to put faith in it and and do outbreak. And were surprised and delighted at the the number of copies they they sold of that, and that referred them on to put more into it, and so escalation was a an even bigger and better book. On top of that, just a year later.
0: And Andy, with the I know you're heavily involved in both of the supplements. Um, The idea of a new faction, for instance, like the Nameless that came along, was that an organic growth out of Star Saga, or was it did did the I idea think, of using it in Dead Zone first come along?
3: I think um, what Ian's saying there is, is true. I don't think Mantic really 100% had confidence to know what they were sort of expecting from the game, really. And so Outbreak was a success and sold out. Escalation ended up being a success and sold out, which, is, which was fantastic. Um, but still, the sort of the growth of the game was very much reliant in those stages on uh, aligned products, shall we say. So um, Star Saga being the optimal one that produced a huge number of characters, but also the Nameless as a as a faction. And so the addition of that then led to a whole new faction in the in the Escalation... Oh, actually, it was an Outbreak, wasn't it? I think it was an Outbreak um, rulebook. So that... Um, That had some challenges, for sure, because you were designing the rules to fit things that were designed for another game, which um, was fine, uh, but it meant you didn't have quite the same organic process that you might perhaps have expected between those who were designing the rules for things and those who were designing the, the miniatures, because the miniatures already existed. Yeah. So we did end up with a few things struggling to quite do perhaps what you you might on the face of it have felt they should do uh, and you'll notice that some things have also changed their uh, height for instance and how they play from escalation to version 3 and a lot of that's been driven by productivity issues because Obviously, when you're relying on PVC models, they're made in a different way um, than those that are cast in resin that can be made on an individual basis, for instance. So, you did tend to find some models became uh, more difficult to keep in stock, for instance, because of the, the yeah. nature of how they they are made. Uh, so, I think you know each of those supplements was critical in giving Mantic the confidence to. Invest both financially but also mentally into doing something more with um, uh, Dead Zone and the whole Warpath universe, to be honest. Because I don't think we'd have had any of those games if Outbreak had never been made. So, Still or not enough.
0: been successful.
3: Or not been successful. Yeah, it's definitely kudos to the Rules Committee at the time, uh, all those playtesters there um mantic and rob berman especially who pushed for that because one thing led to another led to another
0: so around about 18 months ago ian ian you mentioned there that this there was this discussion about would it be a new supplement or uh would it in fact be a new edition of the game so is that the sort of time that we're talking about where it went full steam ahead into saying we're going to produce a new edition of the game, new box set, uh, new uh, graphics, new sort of look to the game. Really, is that did you have that originally? Was that the sort of design space that you were given? No, not at all. Because
2: Good. because <laughs> the rules committee, the rules committee aren't involved in making product decisions. We're, we're, we're looking at unit profiles and, and rules wording that I th- and I believe that's what all the rules committees that Mantic use do. They, they have their, their own video that looks at what they're going to produce, layout, artistic direction. That, that is all Mantic. Um, so the, the rules committee are employed to, to look at rules. rules. Um, so, so we were looking at unit profile revisions, um, what new profiles needed writing for upcoming models um, and what rules we thought uh, would be good to revise. And due to the fact that the second edition rulebook was so relatively out of date in terms of the faction lists and the fact that rules needed rewriting when it came to making decision about do we print more, or demantic print more second edition rulebooks? It was a pretty pretty straightforward solution the answer is no, because almost nothing in this book is relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
3: there's a, so that's the
2: real, the real yeah. turning point for third edition is the, the need for a new
1: rule book.
3: Yeah, I think that's the critical bit. There, there's a further bit there that it actually had completely run out of the second edition rule books anyway. So in the case of, do you reprint the rule book with a, with a supplement or do we just say, do you know what, let's just do the whole thing. And as Ian suggested, that um that final decision about which direction is going to go came quite late actually uh in the process which is one of the reasons why the rules committee ended up changing its configuration so we'd actually reached a point where we didn't really have much more to do with dead zone it was no real plan for direction maybe faqs and so on Uh, and so the rules committee had actually been disbanded um and then that decision came quite late on that actually, oh, we will reinvest in this, which meant that we needed to bring new people on at short notice um, who we could rely on, which is why um, I was asked to come back on and then um, Ian and Claudio were just because we needed to turn things around so quickly and that required uh, a communication of a different sort. Um, and so, you know, that's that whole process ended up being very rapid um at least at that first stage and then obviously we did have the time to do lots of play testing nothing was rapid from that point of view but the we had to make those decisions um more promptly perhaps than you would in an ideal world at that time i think we had a clearer idea what we were expected to do because there was still a lot going on about is this a 2.5 a is this a version three If it's a version three, how much change do we need to make to make it a version three in sort of people's minds? I mean, it's a slightly empty concept. It's a version three because it's a version three, not for any other reason. But I think people do naturally expect relatively substantial changes from a a new edition of something. Uh, And I, I think, to be honest, it's not a substantially different game at all, actually, from version two. But what is different is when you look back at the version two rulebook. if you ever open that up and then look at that, and if you've been playing regularly to look at how you were playing at the end of escalation to what the rule book version two says, it is almost like a complete game because none of the profiles are accurate at all. We've uh, got four times as many scenarios as we had in that original rule book. There are new bits of, play there's a lot more fluff that's evolved over that time so i think really uh, the version 3 was just bringing all of that into to one place but not just rehashing all the escalation and outbreak stuff because a lot of that stuff is actually not in the version 3 rule book things like um, some of the terrain and bigger tables and some like of that it's not there because there's just too much for a core edition book so it was like a clean break really you know this is the, the we're putting a line in the sand version three starts here and some other stuff may come on down the line of course depending on how it is but I think we, it took a while to get that clarity for what was needed but once we had that clarity then it was all guns blazing and to be honest bringing in Ian and Claudio despite both having been around the game for a very long time they had been around the game as players predominantly and and play testers but by being play testers for some years they had a, a good insight into what makes a faction work, what makes a model work, and the challenges of not just, make let's make everything better. That isn't really a sensible way of approaching things. You can't make everything better, because if you do that, then everything becomes more expensive, because you have to have some limitation. You can't all have great models. So uh, it was great to have new people on, and a very small team of just the three of us, who are already friends, um, meant that we were chatting well, an awful lot, let's put it that way. An <laughs> awful, awful yeah, a lot. great deal.
0: Mm. yeah. <laughs> and obviously, not only distance separated you, and especially with Claudio in Germany, but this was around the lockdowns uh, with the COVID. So um, I imagine a lot of online chatter. And was there any sort of online play using tabletop simulator or anything like that?
2: Uh, we didn't use TTS, um, we, we did do a little bit of just live video, so uh, we'd have a, a table set up, and just one of us be playing over video, and one of us sort of in real physical manner. Um, but it was it was mostly back and forth, because we're all such experienced players, we just sort of had um, a pretty good idea of what worked work and what, what wouldn't, what needed tweaking, and and quite what effect that would have in terms of how it played as well. Um, So part of the development was pitching some new unit profiles where we think faction needed boosting. Equally, Mantic were talking about what new models they, they had in plan and therefore would need new profiles. Talking about what existing units would need tweaking just to, balance the meta of the game a little so something particularly we were looking at was the amount of ap versus the amount of armor um just to there was a concern that with so many ap weapons that armor was becoming of less value but it, it was still point costed so whether that point cost was correct or whether there was too much ap and just sort of re, readjusting that balance um and then moving on to scenarios which, of course, are, we're able to play test separately rather than with each other. Yeah. Um, so we wrote quite a lot of new scenarios and and tested them and tweaked them and chose some good ones to go in the book and some to fall by the wayside. They might reappear at a later date. Who knows?
0: Save for a rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> I think um,
3: it was very challenging with the COVID uh, outbreak, of course, to get games because – it's not easy playing a 3d game like dead zone over um uh over these various 2d sort of style games um like universal battle it just wouldn't really do what you you could do it but it would just be a bit odd yeah. um so you know i think a few of us ian and i certainly did a few sort of just throw some minis down roll and dice in your own living room sort of thing as well uh, but i think the, the real benefit from our point of view and, and the whole we have a big um playtesting community as well um which uh called the council of seven which is a it's got a, you know a good number of people in it but of course the lockdowns were affecting the whole globe so even though you know we might have been not quite so bad in in the uk at one point it was still causing problems in spain or another area where we've got players or the same in the us um so but we were we were blessed in some ways because so much work had been done over the preceding two three years to get the factions to such a good point that we sort of knew where everything was, and there was that rebalancing element that um, Ian mentioned there. Trying to get a few new things um, out of some existing models. There weren't that many new models to add in, and certainly no new factions. So that was helpful. Um, so a lot of the sort of theorising could could be done without too much concern about not enough hours of playtesting. And uh, once the lockdown was finished, obviously some playtesting was. Definitely able to be done, and and that refined those last bits. But the vast vast majority of units hadn't massively changed. Yeah, um, there, there were
2: there were peaks and troughs of playtesting. So, you know, like like Andy says, a lot of theorising early on last year, but then towards the end of the summer, um, quite a lot of us were able to get together. Yeah, you know, I was posting bits of me and Andy playing in my back garden.
0: And yes, I saw My that.
2: my bubble buddy. I dragged kicking and screaming into dead zone and um, had him at the table as often as I could persuade him. Um but then at this time last Getting year to the
1: table was I probably, probably much less again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have him chained to the table. <laughs> I would have done.
0: <laughs> if he could have got away with it.
2: Poor old Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the process went on for around about 18 months and then at some point, you have to draw a line, I suppose. And was that was that a decision Mantic had to make because of production times, or did yes. you end up with the finished product and say, "Here you go"? Uh,
2: no, no, they're, they're, they made a decision about when it needed to be printed. Yes, yeah, so they had a launch
1: schedule in, in, in mind. I would imagine that always being a really difficult point when you get to that stage uh i don't think it's a
3: difficult point if you if you're given enough notice which we have always been to date what becomes a challenge obviously is that as with any important very large document in life you know if you've ever written an essay or anything like that um there's always stuff you spot afterwards let's put it that way and so there there is a hard deadline of course um but that hard deadline is Often for the rule book rather than for the faction. So you can always tinker with stuff with the factions for quite a bit longer. But at some point you're absolutely right, it has to be locked down. There's no more stuff. And you guarantee as soon as you do that, you spot a typo or something like that. And you just put it in a little list that Ian's collating for the yeah. next for the FAQ. Um and, which,
2: and actually, it's massively
3: uh, frustrating
2: because yeah. you've spent hours pouring over this document.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: still, still escapes.
0: That br- that brings up an interesting point, actually, because um, for the first time, we've got a separate faction book. Uh, the factions aren't inside that the main... That
1: was such a good building. idea. That was such a great idea. Whoever came up with that idea? I think, I think that's, that's a, that,
3: uh, a man's decision and, uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. intentionally to, you know,
3: there was a lot of success with Outbreak and Escalation, which didn't change the core rules. They added some keywords and stuff, but they didn't change the core rules. All they did was change some of the profiles, and not even all of them. And um, so, I think the thought has been that going forwards, the core rulebook for version two was basically still the same, and yeah, you, know, you just needed to take two books. So, why not just give you two books to start with? And then, if we ever yeah. need to update with a future command protocols, add new missions add new models factions whatever or just rebalance stuff then you don't need to get a whole new rule book again you just need to get the faction book and just replace your previous faction book just a bit like clash of kings they do in um kings of war exactly exactly and i think that's a really good thing for players so you you know there was a stage where you if you were playing dead zone all the time you in theory would have to take your core rule book your outbreak and your escalation because they did all have slightly different Things in them, even though the profiles you would look at were only from the last book, um so it's to avoid that sort of
1: potential glut, I guess. Of... Oh, I think the thing is when even even the best games it, it, out there, you know, what I mean, you you do get to the stage after a while, things start to get a little bit stale, don't they? They need a little bit of a, you know, always a change, always. A bit of repression. no, not Dead Zone. Dead Zone never gets stale. <laughs> it's always
2: immaculate. <laughs>
0: as it should be um one of the uh things that's always been leveled at the dead zone and by extension the warpath universe is the lack of fluff and but lack of background um there's quite a bit in the in the new book isn't there i think that's um is enough to get people into what this setting is all about um were either of you involved in any of that or was that solely mantic
2: I know, that that's Mantic. Yeah. Uh, probably probably
3: Rob, primarily, do you think, Andy? I think Rob will have been involved in writing a lot, but there's a few people, and they've reused some from other existing stuff. I think there's quite a lot of fluff, actually. Yeah, people
2: may not have known where to find it, but there, yeah. there is background material there, particularly Agreed. the Warpath source book is yeah. probably number one on the list, but even the original Dead Zone first edition books, had a reasonable amount of
3: But there's also a lot context. of, as well, there's not only the um, first strike novel, but there's a there's an anthology book, and there's there's plenty of stuff out there for sure. It's just never really been in one place. So I think bringing it together and bringing it together in that style like the Kings of War version two, um, sorry, version three uh, rule book, where you've got a little synopsis for each faction giving a nice fluff feel to it as well i think really helps people to identify it um and particularly as you know like the nameless for instance and maison labs aren't in version 2 so if you were just coming straight from version 2 not having played for a while they'd be completely fresh to you you wouldn't know who the hell they are
0: yeah yeah yeah. i think it's important isn't it i mean i I point people to this Warpath source book all the time Uh, i think it's still available for free on the on the mantic website so it is out there if if you want to find it and uh it's it's really I, I do find it quite a refreshing take on the science fiction genre um away from that grim dark that uh, we've, i think uh, that's
1: where the problem lies on it when you got something like the beer moth that is um warmer 40k and how long mass has been going people just expect straight away that you know i mean that's the amount of clapping background you're going to have in it in, in another game isn't it but yeah but that's we, just not the way it works, is it? You know what I mean? That's been going for, what, oh, how many years now? 30-odd yeah. years, is it? Yeah. Well, all the, a, a game needs that much fluff oh, to yeah. be considered right, successful. Yeah.
0: Well, yes, that's another argument altogether, isn't it?
2: In, in my mind, Dead Zone is much more based around um, the gameplay. Yeah. The game Um It isn't... I don't think you need to be inspired by the background in the same way that 40k probably is based on so you you read the 40k stories and that that makes you want to collect the faction whereas I think Dead Zone it's more about how things play
0: yeah
2: that that brings you to it
0: but it's there if you want it isn't it and you play the game and then you look at the
1: look at the background and then you expand on it from there Uh,
0: and it's quite an interesting direction or artistic direction third edition has taken hasn't it it's got this almost cyberpunk blade runner feel to it particularly with the new bits of scenery that you get in the box set and the new art work that we get on the the faction boxes and the the new uh, box uh, starter box set which i, I think is a really good direction for.
2: yeah Mantic have done a lovely job with it they've, they've, that was something they were keen to really rather than just have this blank cityscape where two factions would fight was to really emphasize the fact that these are places that are lived in and should look and feel that way and so mm-hmm. the artwork they've done that shows that the factions really in in progress of, of fighting each other and the the added terrain elements to really flesh
1: out the this the urban cityscape yeah because it always felt before wasn't it that was like after the dead zone had been like set up and you know what i mean you i mean everybody was gone and it was literally just a wasteland but now you, you it's at that stage where you know what i mean the dead zone hadn't actually been put in place as such
3: yeah
2: yeah I mean, you can well
1: imagine that this the um <clears throat>
2: the innocent civilians are still cowering behind exactly. the doorway. then
1: that's right. already off-world. Exactly. But always before it was, oh, it's just a ruin, isn't it?
3: You know what I
1: mean?
3: And that's an evolution of the setting, I think, you know, the original Dead Zone was very much focused around these plague artifacts, and that's what's caused the yeah. Dead Zone to happen. But then that evolved with things like Escalation uh, and Version 2 to say, well, actually, sometimes Dead Zones are due to other races. That's right, uh, and things like that and then again you've further expanded that now like you say to change it from this not necessarily being a default frontier city sort of thing actually maybe we're a little bit further into the sp- the spheres and so on where mm-hmm. you've got that more lived in experience that you know ian was mentioning then
0: so having been involved in the developments uh, of this game over the last 18 months has it Put you off the game? Are you still as much in love with it as you were at the start? Are you going to continue to be involved in future developments?
2: I'm certainly as thrilled as ever. Um, I mean, as as much as play testing as we we could. I've probably played more Dead Zone since Third Edition launched than ever before in terms of demoing to new people at various clubs um and and getting people involved with other games as well um, we've had several meetups either at Mantic or club nights to get some full games in as well
3: i think i would agree i think it's a really interesting thing being involved in a game and playtesting it um a lot thinking about it a lot it is rather all consuming um whilst you're doing it and i won't deny that that does perhaps maybe the passion to some extent because you sort of reach into that point where you i won't take this stuff to have a good game necessarily i'll take this stuff to min max or to test out something um, to make because certainly a goal i've always had with stuff is that no model should be unplayable you know every model that you have in your collection should have a role it might not suit your style of play but you shouldn't not pick it because it's rubbish so you should pick you should pick it because you want to pick it. But it, someone else should still be able to have the option of playing with it. So sometimes play playtesting, I would be playing. with that. I have no particular interest in at all. But you have to, to play with it. Now the game's actually here. Um, you can then flip back to that. Oh, I'm playing this because I really want to play this, actually. And it is like Ian, it's my go to game. It always has been and always probably will be because it's so accessible. But, okay, it's not accessible in the fact you have to take quite a lot of stuff with you. So you can't just pull stuff off the shelves. But if you're used to that, it's you, one box, one small box of miniatures, one small sort of set of counters and dice, and boom, great. And when you're reasonably experienced at playing, and so is your opponent, you can bang out a game in 40 minutes and have a cracking game with no problem at all. You've got a good, clear result, and you've both had a great time. And there's still time for a beer or a cup of tea, you know.
0: Yeah.
3: It, um, it's great from that point of view. Really great. And uh, if you're organised two games in a club night, a normal club night is easy. No problem yeah. at all. Yeah. And what more can you ask for, really, as far as I'm concerned?
0: Yeah. Certainly uh, a, a public thank you to Ian for coming down to the Stoke Club uh, to demo the game. I know that you played that little demo game with three uh gcps versus 3vm in mean, a few times now haven't you and uh, <laughs> yes. you did you did let one or two club members uh win or at least kill something uh, uh during those demo games and everybody at the club was very appreciative and it's certainly taken off it's reignited the game at my club there's probably three of us that played it previously but we're up to probably 10 or 11 people now with more interest oh, uh, coming so um it, it's really fired it off and as you've said there Andy it is accessible it's it's one box really useful box with some terrain in it a small army box with 10 12 figures and a few dice in you there aren't you well, I also, think that's a
1: good thing they've done this time around isn't it i think they the starter box is is probably the best they've done
0: isn't it yeah it's a great starter box
1: isn't it it's such a good starter box yeah. the factions are really good in there there's a more terrain in there and that the um the board with the um the details on the back to pay the initial, that initial game. Brilliant.
0: And and that's quite a nice game, isn't it, Ian? Oh yeah. I know, I know you, you, uh, you, you enjoyed playing it. I certainly enjoyed playing it. So, uh, so that, um that demo mission there in the, in the core book, uh, Ian
3: came up with that one. And I, and I'll say that, um, that probably had the most play testing of any part of the game at all, because it went backwards and forwards so difficult actually to make a game that was accessible not too one-sided with a very low model count with very Mm. simple to put together models so it didn't start off with the models that you've got there it started off having a nightmare in it for quite a long time didn't it yeah
2: as well as, as with as with plenty of war games you sort of rely on the averages to even things out over the course of a game so when you strip things right back to very few elements uh, you you can find it, it swings one way and it never never gets a chance to swing back the other way so yeah find fine the the elements to try and make it reasonably balanced um yeah yeah we did we did we did test it quite a lot didn't we and yeah, it went through various iterations um we were asked by mantic to produce a small scale scenario for a demonstration mat, so the credit for that demo mat goes goes to mantic but we were asked to produce a scenario for it um and and so yeah and so we were told what the two factions that were going to be in the box were and so i went for the some puny humans against some puny rats with that that terrain layout as well which is uh, basically the terrain set that came in the second edition okay to a player set just because at that time I didn't know what was going to be in the third edition box. So that was what I went with as a, a basic setup. Um, and it just gave the very basic elements of the game. So there's, there's no leaders, there's no command dice because they're all extras that can be introduced afterwards. It's about moving and shooting and claiming an objective. Yeah. The very basics of the game. And once you've, once you've played that from each side, and I always recommend people do this, that, If I I sit someone down to demo it, I'll say, do you want to go for the puny humans or the insidious rats? Uh, They'll they'll pick one. Usually the puny humans. People love going for the puny humans. Um, And we'll play it. We'll play it. uh, And and whatever the result, I'll almost immediately go, right, let's swap sides and do it again. Because after that two way um, playthrough, you've understood movement and shooting. Hopefully got a, a bit of rapid fire in there if possible understand claiming objectives, keywords like weight of fire and armor and armor piercing, those elements are there. Um, and so at the end of that, you're, you're ready to write, now it's very easy to introduce leaders, splats, command dice, recon rolls on top of that, because that's all extra components on top of the basics.
0: Yeah, and it, it does work very well. and it's a, a 10 to 15 minute game at the very most, uh, and very easy to swap sides uh, and play from the other side, isn't it? And, uh, you've picked up the basics. Um, gentlemen, I want to congratulate you both on the efforts that you've put into the game because, um, uh, Antimantic, uh, for the push that they've given it, but, uh, you've, you've done sterling work on a game that I think, uh, has sold like hotcakes by the looks of it. And, uh, is enabling people to play uh, a science fiction game in a small space with a small collection of miniatures, and it's a very satisfying experience at the end of it. So, well done to you both. Uh, any other questions, Steve? No, no, I think we're uh, I think we're fine, there, mate. All right, mate. Well, uh, thanks for that, guys. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll see you under the sign.
3: Hey, I'm Kyle Preslinski. You might know me from Manta Games and MasterCrafted.
1: I always play nice.
0: Okay, so uh, welcome back then to part two of episode three of Play Nice Radio. I've still got Steve with me. Hi, Steve. Hey, sit here, hey. I've still got uh, Andy Sharp with me. Hi, Andy. Hello. And we've still got Mr. Davies. I like Mr. Davies.
3: Dead
2: Zone is life.
3: Zone Yeah, you know I'm slightly concerned about.
0: Yeah.
3: I've been calling Ian Ian Davies for the last like six years, and it's not even his name.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> never once corrected me though.
3: You are
2: you
0: are IES, aren't you, Davies?
2: Yeah, but that's not normally how we pronounce it. Oh,
0: well, it's just because Andy's posh. Yeah, because it is. How posh people say it. Southern, that's the difference. It's like <laughs> Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay, we're well we're now entering uh, the most popular part pop <laughs> podcast. The world famous How Geek Are You? Quiz. Are you ready for this guys? As, as like be. Are are you confident in your geek credentials? Um, no, I think I'm too cool actually. Too cool for school. <laughs> so, what's the score they got to beat then, Sean? So, uh, the, on the leaderboard at the moment, you know, like on Top Gear, where they have those uh, those cards where they move them up and down for the speed on the on the track.
2: Oh yeah, you've uh, got so the magnetic board, have you, with the yeah, with all the scores on?
0: With all the scores, of which there's only one so far. Okay, uh, which is Kyle, uh, who got sixty six percent.
1: He's actually using his fridge, he just uses fridge magnets.
2: Sixty-six <coughs> percent feels beatable.
0: I'm actually just using an, an old little notepad here. Sixty-six <laughs> percent is beatable because he didn't hit some top scores. But how this is gonna work, there's ten questions. It's rapid fire, so no thinking about it for too long. And certainly on the on question number ten you won't have all the time in the world because there will be a, a countdown count uh, timer God, the pressure the pressure but um, most of this is opinion pieces but uh, the well, answers, plenty of the answers are <laughs> <Yeah>. weighted <laughs> so um, I'll ask the same question to both of you uh, I'll start with Andy question number one complete the title of this well-known sci-fi film franchise star Wars Mr. Davies definitely wars definitely wars what
3: threat because that's garbage <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well there are other answers there are other answers that might have improved your geek credentials but uh, we'll take your first answer Star Wars but what
3: are we after here are we after the most the most random thing or yeah the rarest is that their
0: goal? No, no, no. Listen. This is this has been a sci- scientifically constructed questionnaire what that proves your, your
2: e- box. <laughs> Right. The scores are purely
3: subjective.
2: Yes.
0: No, 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 no. It's uh, the now science we
3: now and... dealing with. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: A lot of thought has gone into how this was constructed. So, uh, right. Okay. Uh, question number two, uh, and again, first to you, Andy. Science fiction authors, James S. Corey. William Gibson or Frank Herbert?
3: Definitely not Frank Herbert. Uh, I'm going to go Corey.
0: Ian?
2: Um, I've only ever heard of Frank Herbert. I've got no idea who the other two are.
0: Okay. So, bonus bonus point (laughs) question. Ooh, bonus points this time. Name a book written by one of them. Andy. Dune yeah it's dune that's right you can't can't have dune ian (laughs) (laughs) seems you've never heard of the other two i'll put you down for zero on that i'll let
3: you know i'll let ian have dune and i'll have children of dune
0: there we go Uh, dune 2 the sequel
2: (laughs) that that was a computer game now that i know about (laughs) Ah, oh yeah that was great
0: question number three which starship commander is the coolest Kirk, Adama, or Reynolds?
3: Adama, (sighs) OBS. Colonel
2: O'Neill.
0: Colonel O'Neill, who is he?
2: Stargate. Come on,
0: mate. All right. Okay, well, you get a bonus point there. Out-geeking you. Out-geeking me. Absolutely. Uh, Bonus point if you know which show Reynolds was from.
2: Was it Babylon 5?
0: No um blake seven <laughs> <laughs> i love blake. it's available on youtube you know the entire run of blake seven i love that shit
3: all i know about blake seven is that the the ending is incredibly like weird and disappointing for everybody Whoa! spoilers mate <laughs> come on
0: you, yeah. saving
3: you many hours saving some people, people hours. haven't got around to watching it yet
0: it traumatized isn't my like, childhood. That ending, that last section. It's
3: like the 1980s version of, or 1970s version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it was.
0: Uh, Steve, you get, a, you do get the bonus point. Firefly Woo-hoo. or Serenity.
3: Oh, uh, uh, I I, I, okay. Like geek credentials, I'm going to be a bit um, uh, super interesting. Say, I'm not a big fan of Firefly.
0: <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Neither am I, mate.
3: <laughs> proper, it's proper cheap TV Saturday afternoon junk.
0: It is. It is. I'm quite not
3: like sure. Serenity. Did quite like Serenity.
0: But there is quite a cult following for it, isn't there? There is. There is. There is. There is. Okay, uh, question number four uh, to Andy first: Nintendo or Sega? Uh, I
3: grew up on Sega, so it's got to be Sega.
2: Uh, I'd go Nintendo Game Boy. Game Boy. I've never owned a Sega system, but I have had a Game Boy. But bonus then I But then I went Sony. Sony oh. through and through. After that, bonus point.
0: Bonus point. And this is a finger on the buzzers question. It's actually intended initially for Rob Berman. This was so. If you're listening, Rob, uh, shout out the answer. I won't hear you, obviously. But bonus question: What was the Nintendo originally called? Tumbleweed blew through the <laughs> town. You
3: know, well, Rob Rob would know that, but I have no idea.
0: Not no, a clue. Not a clue. No, okay. I'm not gonna tell you because I'll save that for Rob. Save that for Rob. Yeah.
3: That was, was a, bit, a of
0: f- <laughs> 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 bit of an thirty two Bit of anticlimax to that question, but there you go. Right, uh, question number five. Um eighties fit movies. Gremlins. Goonies or weird science? (laughs) Um,
3: I'm going to say I love them all, but I'm actually going to say weird science because as a teenage boy, that one did a lot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not surprised? I wonder why.
0: Whereas I'm going
2: gremlins because I'm younger than (laughs) he (laughs) is.
0: Was it Kelly Le Might oh, have been. Oh, my my me. See,
2: see, in your version, the uh, the idea was to get it as well as possible, Is it as soon as possible, right? <laughs> Quite the opposite in Gremlins.
0: Okay, question number <laughs> question. <laughs> 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 question number six. Oh, um, so we're entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The what? what? The Marvel Cinematic Universe what's that then right <laughs> <laughs> which <Superman>? mc <laughs> batman which mcu hero has appeared in the most mcu films what's spider-man sorry
2: spider-man i'm saying spider-man
0: iron, was... man. iron man right uh can you um so the right answer is iron man can you guess how many he was in? I'll give you within one.
3: Within one. I'm going to say there are lots. I'm going to say 12. 12? Just
0: out. 10. 12. 10. Ah,
3: 10. close.
0: One, close. Good effort. Good effort.
3: He a lot of walk-on bits, doesn't he? In, in That's 12. right,
0: yeah.
3: What is
1: the MCU?
0: The Marvel cinema. So it's the Marvel films, essentially, which separates them from the comics. Oh, right. So it's got its own sort of timeline and, and story. They weren't oh, yeah.
3: using that terminology, though. That I know wouldn't... nothing about it. Well, since since the original Iron Man film, it's that. Oh, is it from then?
0: It it from the
2: from
3: yeah. it, because it wasn't even from that point onwards.
0: Yeah. It's because the film's tied in, didn't it? We had all the Spider Man films, but they were.
3: Yeah, sort They of... started to make an overarching narrative, didn't they?
0: There you go. Yeah. It
1: just started confusing me completely. What was good? I just didn't there seemed to be every year there's another spider-man film with a different person doing the same <laughs> yeah, story true, yeah. and they changed it again it's like what well, was the case
3: th- i've heard some story that they were about that that they had to make a new one every now and again or they would lose the license or something
2: I don't know if yeah that's... because uh, it, we didn't fox have the spider-man license that's yeah. right
0: yeah yeah but uh, they've now settled the diff I'll give you a point for that, that I've settled the differences and uh, hence we- I- I'm just feeling sorry for you basically and so I thought Oh okay, thanks
1: mate. <laughs> I'll shut up mate so you can get on with the quiz. <laughs>
0: uh, okay so sticking with comics um, because this is a geek quiz question number 7 Marvel DC or independent comics
3: independent obviously the, the dandy that's what I said last time. That's that's what I uh that's what I read when I
0: was young. There you go. The yeah. annual or image. Image, there you go. That's Ooh. a name I haven't heard for a while. A uh, now then, this this is a real tester. This I'll be impressed if you get this. Either of you. Uh it's kind of a fingers on the buzzers, but uh so I'll take the first answer.
2: I've got my finger on my buzzer. Who <laughs> were uh. I'm not sure it'll make the right
0: noise. I was going to say, what <laughs> noise does it <you> make? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, question God. number eight. In Dead Zone version three, what model is the most expensive leader points-wise?
2: um dog
0: <laughs> Andy shoots and scores. Oh! How many points?
3: 36 these days. What did you go for? Oh, God.
0: Forge Lord.
2: I said the Forge Lord.
0: How many points?
2: Uh, at least forty. Yeah,
0: you're you're right. It is at least forty. <laughs> <laughs>
3: forty something. So it was Ian who was right, not me. <laughs>
0: Five zero, fifty points.
3: Fifty. Oh yes,
0: getting there. Whoever wrote that, I mean, goodness me.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's totally worth it
0: totally worth it it's um nice. for a bonus and again i'm going to give you this within two how many leader models are there in the current game andy first i'm
3: gonna say
0: i'm gonna say 39 godness me right okay ian any fifty. On? I'll go fifty. <laughs> okay. Oh. The answer? Would you like? I think that's probably conservative. Really?
3: Leaders, hmm. not not living legends. No,
0: leaders, no. yeah. Not just leaders. Well, that's, that's
3: ten factions,
0: and I
2: reckon each faction has at least four. With some of them, each
0: faction has at least
3: three, and some have four.
0: Doctor Sharp is right. <sighs> Thirty-five.
3: Is that all?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Because, so, as Andy laughing.
0: says, there's a few <laughs> factions with three. <laughs> I think there's one faction with six. I, don't know mm. I think which one that is. It might be enforcers. Uh, anyway. Um, I think, it might be, um, I think okay. it's Forge Fathers, actually, these days. Do you know, uh, you I'm going to check that. You know, when you laugh, <laughs> laugh at your own questions. Um, so, <laughs> uh, this might be a contentious one. Okay, uh, Andy, who would be your preferred dinner date? Ronnie Renton, Martin Thurwell or Rob Berman? Ooh. That's, that's,
3: it's got to be Rob all the way. We've got a massive loving going on.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'd go all the way for Berman. Let's put it that way. It's unseemly.
1: <laughs>
0: Ian?
3: Other people feel uncomfortable in the same room as us. <laughs> Could you repeat the question, please?
0: Who would be your preferred dinner date? Ronnie Renton. Martin Thurwell or Rob Berman?
2: Do you know, I think Martin would take me to a nice place if he's buying.
0: I think he would, actually, wouldn't he? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. He's,
2: Although it would be in Derby, because Melissa. <laughs> <So laughs> that, that's the issue there. <laughs> I've got a feeling Ronnie'd get distracted halfway through and I'd be left eating pudding on my own. You'd be paying for it, <laughs> And I'd definitely <laughs> pay for it, yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: So, so gentlemen, we've arrived at the last question, number 10. Now, this is a competitive round. Uh, Steve, I need you to do some work on this. What? Can you count the answers that Andy gives? And I'll count the answers that Ian gives.
1: I'll try.
0: Okay. There is going to be a timer on this. And the question, I'm going to give you both, you've both got a separate question but it's how many characters you can name from a certain film or show. So, Ian Davies, how many characters from the, uh, sorry, name as many characters from the He-Man TV show as you can. So I'm going to give you a few seconds just to think about
3: it. did I not get that one? <laughs> you can have it if you want.
0: <laughs> Andy? Name as many characters from the Guardians of the Galaxy films as you can.
3: Oh, that's not fair. (laughs) It's harder for me. Do
0: you want to swap? Yes.
3: Yeah, all right.
0: (laughs) Right, so I'm counting Ian's answers. Mm -hmm. Steve, you're counting? Andy's. Uh, Andy's, sorry, I'm I'm looking at the technicalities here. So, uh, are we ready? Let's go. Go.
3: He Man, <laughs> <Groot, laughs> uh, Rocket, uh, Star Lord, um, Gamora, uh, Ram Man, um, Man at Arms, uh, Cringer, Stroke, Battle Cats, Evelyn, uh, Teela, uh, <laughs> Thingy of Greyskull, whatever <laughs> she's called, um, She Ra, not technically in there, but I bet she's still with
0: us, Ian. Yeah, yeah.
3: The, uh, what's the little flying creature he called.
0: Time's out. <laughs> you started really well, Ian. You were fast out of the blocks then. <laughs> it's almost like you got a, a sort of 12-second lead going into the last lap. <laughs> and then something happened.
3: And something happened in the race next door. The <laughs>
0: topical reference. Uh, uh, Steve, how many did Andy get? Well, I made it eight. Eight, Ian, you got one, two, three, four. Yeah, you, it was well, a strong start, but a really poor finish. We we shared the victory there because we changed we changed categories, didn't we? A, a strong start and a poor finish is probably the name of my sex tape, uh, as somebody once said. <laughs> <laughs> so, right Brooklyn, on to the next uh, subject. A little Brooklyn Nine Nine reference there for anybody, any. Panzerbrickling, no, no. Uh, right, okay, so uh, thanks for that. Uh, let's add up the scores on the door shall we? I'm, I can see Ooh. both of you are absolutely on the edge of your seats, wondering.
3: Honestly, I, I don't know what's going to happen.
0: Well, I, anything.
3: I'm concerned what happens for the winner and the loser here. <laughs> you know, one of us is going to find ourselves <laughs> shipped
2: off. Sean, of yes?
3: uh, I've just had a flick through the rule book. I
2: make it 47 leaders in third edition, so yeah. I'd like
0: well, uh, as is traditional with these things, the question masters. Well, it's not a pub quiz. <laughs> I make the rules. Right, so. That's a loser. <laughs> I go quiet now because I have to do some adding up.
2: Listeners, amuse yourselves if you're not already.
0: <laughs> oh, I tell you what I tell you what close is it close is it, close? Close. Is it close? close well we've got a good score on one side of the coin.
2: <laughs> I told you I was too cool for this
0: <laughs> okay, so the score to beat was sixty six percent, so as I got get my um Imaginary magnetic boards out Slap on the wall I'll do it in reverse order Of course With So 66% is on the wall With 64% Ooh. We have Mr Ian Davis Oh, oh so close wow. oh. So close So I'm sl- for slapping this imaginary uh, Bit of Board onto the wall just below Kyle. I'm now reaching for the next one with uh, Dr. Andy we'll Sharp. It. And it's going above Kyle's. What? Andy Sharp, you are 84%. Confused. Oh!
1: Well, my God. Wow.
0: That is going to take some beating.
1: I'm not quite sure
3: how your scoring system works, if I'm honest, but <laughs> no I'm one is.
0: I take it. I add up a score and times it by four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think, I think he's based on QI, or um, have I got news for you? That
0: kind of <laughs> well, that random just yeah. set of numbers that get thrown out at the end of the quiz. No, 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 no. Obviously,
2: QI is yeah. not random. Stephen <laughs> Fry counts.
0: <laughs> this is very, it's a very scientific method I've got where the answers are weighted <laughs> dependent on what you give. Do you uh, agree
1: with Sean or not, really?
0: Well, listen.
1: Yeah, entirely.
0: <laughs> this isn't a committee decision. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Thanks for participating in that, gents. Uh, your names are now both on the leaderboard with Kyle's, and uh, we'll see whoever next appears and see what they can do. So, uh, join us after this short break uh, for the hobby update. Dun 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 dun. Oh,
3: that was quick. I can't get another beer yet.
0: Uh, okay, uh, welcome back then to uh, the hobby update section of the podcast. Um, as previous listeners, or sorry, as the previous listener will know, uh, <laughs> this, uh, we break this down into uh, three parts. Our it's, previous uh, listener. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a short and sweet section. We don't like these uh, podcasts where you go on for about three hours talking about painting skeletons or something.
2: Mate, that's what I'm all about. I love the hobby side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are a hobby maestro. So uh, what we talk about here is last purchase, last painted, last game. So shall we go to you first, Mr. and Davis?
2: Sure thing. I think that's it. <laughs> He's prepared. Uh, my previous purchase was the BroodGuard booster for Dead Zone third edition. Hashtag the best game ever, Dead Zone is life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have we got a new hashtag?
2: No, you can hashtag anything, mate. <laughs> Literally. Especially if you're not actually on Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so was that direct from Mantic or from a third party? I picked or? it up
2: from Black Dragon Miniatures.
0: That's Black uh, Dragon Miniatures.
2: Yeah, my my favourite hobby store. Host, <laughs> staffed by my favourite man in the hobby and certainly my favourite sharp brother.
3: <laughs> have you heard that before one aspect there <laughs> i'm
2: not saying it's a competition but everyone has their favorite
0: yeah yeah yeah. it's like you've got to choose your favorite child haven't you everybody's got one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah true <laughs> uh so, uh,
3: yeah,
0: so uh, the, v-
2: Vimin, the Vimin in the brood guard the new the new model that's what i wanted
3: let say uh black dragon i've yeah, got this uh We've got a lot of good stocking on Dead Zone actually. There he's Gary's gone into it quite big. So uh Yep. He's well, got
0: it's got a good time. thing. Good well, if Gary's listening and wishes to sponsor the only UK Mantic related podcast that's currently in circulation, <laughs> then uh, get your people to speak to my people and we'll sort something out. Yeah, people <laughs> No, it's true. It is a it's a it's a good shop actually. I've been to a couple of events there now, so I haven't been out there yet I must yeah, try nice, and get out there at some point Nice little venue uh, So that was last purchase Yep Last painted
2: Last painted was the my Basilean ships For the Armada tournament Which was at Mantic Last month So Whoa. I
0: was frantically
2: painting Up till up till 4am
0: It gets later the Every time you tell this it <laughs> three o'clock, then half past three, and now it's four o'clock.
2: Mate, it was so late, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was some early hours of the morning, anyway. It was. It was. Painting half the night to get my ships done in time for the event. And like, ships, two Elohi and a, uh, an Abbas.
0: Yes, and he has painted them very, very nicely, but I thought he'd disguise them as Twilight Kin.
2: Because just they were
0: purple. By, just because they <laughs> purple.
2: There were some purple sail suits Sean thought they were That's yeah. <laughs> the best, best Lions, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: But they you've done a very nice job on them as well, yes.
2: Yeah. Well, they've got some table time since, so that's nice. So so I, I took them to that event and got got some games in that day. Then I take them down to Stoke War Games. Yeah. that gave them a run out there and uh, I've I've played again at Mantic since then as well. So I still haven't played that game yet. It's good fun Fly, Flying your little ships around Pew-pewing each other It's
0: nice mm. And having been up to that uh, that event At Mantic uh, That is now the big box under the Christmas tree for me Ooh. To open on Christmas morning Nice I'm very okay. excited about that uh, Last game played Ian
2: uh, Well you know in terms of war gaming It was Dead Zone Because on Monday evening I was at Norman Cross Crusaders my old club in Peterborough and I rocked up there to demo Dead Zone. So, I did the demo scenario with a couple of people. And uh, because Mark uh, didn't have another game lined up for the evening, I was quick to whip a full board out of the boot. And uh, we played 150 points of Enforcers versus Vermin And it nice. finished 17 points to 14 in a game of patrol. The, uh, the deciding factor, at least in my mind, was the fact that two turns in a row, my Knight's Terror rampaged and Ooh. was controlled by my opponent. On both occasions, he targeted my nightmare. on the first occasion. He got away with it. On the second occasion, he completely obliterated him. <laughs> <which> <laughs> the kill and knocking me off a two-point objective. Resulting oh, nice. in a four-point swing that ended the game in his favour. Lovely. And that's Dead Zone.
0: There's a, a there. very famous quote, isn't there? That the only good vehement is a dead
3: vehement.
0: What? I'm not sure who said that. They are, mate.
2: <laughs> You're speaking that? to the wrong
0: audience. I think it was Phil Sheridan in the American Civil War, but uh, it was ahead of his time. If uh, it's
2: not obvious enough from the rule book, we're both big vehement fans here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got a vehement story to tell you when I come round to my hobby update. Uh, okay, that's great. Uh, was Sherrod down there with you? Sorry, he was communicating with you.
2: Not, not, in Peterborough now. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. I thought. <laughs> no. So. No, but I've had, I've had a completely frenzied week of gaming. There literally hasn't been a night off. I um, I was at my usual board game meet in uh, the pub on Tuesday. Wednesday, I was playing Dead Zone in Bunker's Hill, another pub. On Thursday, I played Star Wars Legion at the clubhouse in Nottingham. Friday, to Friday, I think. I remember now. Um, skip that. Saturday, I went up to my cousin's house in Harrogate and played board games all day uh, and then came back down and was at Peterborough on Monday and back in the pub playing board games last night.
0: Life wow. is just one big game, isn't it? It's
2: been nuts, yeah. Racking up the games.
0: Yeah, well done. Um, thanks for that, Ian, for thanks for your updates. Uh, Andy, your hobby update, last purchase.
3: Uh, well, I purchased some stuff today. So does that count?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, I purchased some uh, footsaw um, miniatures for the, um, the Baron's War range from uh, Andy Hopday and Paul Hicks, um, which I've got quite a lot of their stuff. Uh, well, most of it. Um, but I needed a few. They do these short campaign supplements. So like a PDF of three link scenarios with a um a couple of characters that uh, are specific to that so i hadn't got those i've been waiting to sort of get enough and they do every month they do a free mini and this month it was a uh, a medieval miniature that i didn't have so um so i thought i'd sink a small amount on them but i've been trying to be good on purchases actually recently which i genuinely have stuck to for a few months because i have a rather substantial purchase going on which is an ongoing thing which is converting my garage in my new house into a permanent gaming room straight oh, Nice. straight. <laughs> which is a dream come true and is basically 35 years in the making um so so that's obviously got a lot of cost involved in it because it's a it's a permanent addition to the house it's not like a uh a shed in the garden or anything like that so it's a proper full structure which costs a lot of money um but um yeah that's hopefully going to be fit for use some point february probably by the time it's all done so yeah try not to spend many much on toy soldiers because you know saving 50 pounds every month is going to make all the difference (laughs) (laughs) you know? <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah.
0: <laughs> but there again, you're going to need more figures To fill that massive table that you're going to put in there Oh,
3: genuinely, uh, if it all goes according to plan I'll have a table that will give me back problems for the rest of my life
0: It'd <laughs> <Well, you bet, laughs> be like those old uh, World War Two films Where the ladies were pushing yeah, the... Uh, yeah, the get
3: a couple films.
2: of WAFs in
0: yeah. And <laughs> the, on a stick That's really going to up the price, isn't it? <laughs>
2: That's what I was playing on Friday. It was Blood Red Skies. Ah, there we go. Ah, there you go. <laughs>
0: uh, excellent. Well, that's uh, that is a, a certainly a, a purchase. Uh, getting a hobby room. I had one of those in, in a previous marriage, but uh, anyway, we won't go there. So, <laughs> You're probably still quids in, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emotionally, certainly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, last game. Have we done last painted?
3: Uh, Last uh, last last painted so last painted um i have finished a whole bunch of baron's war miniatures that have been on the side for ages so in between zoom meetings yesterday i managed to finish off a fair number of them and now i am just putting some paint onto some franco prussian war perry miniatures which um i've been quite slow on painting we were just talking before the cast started that Uh, franco-prussian war is a very large war and i like 28 millimeter models um so the impetus to paint a large number of 28 millimeter models which are basically very similar is um something i'm struggling with a little bit it's been a long time since i've done that if i'm honest i mean mostly on skirmish and smallish scale games recently um and also their release schedule is a bit uh they're only a small company so it's a little bit we had a fair bit over the summer and it's been quite quiet so I haven't really had the new purchase to stimulate me to get other stuff done in the, in the traditional way. So I've had these on the side for a while. I tend to have a fairly messy workstation uh, where lots of bits are on the go and I will dip in and out of multiple different things. So sometimes you reach a point even I get upset about it and have to finish some projects off. So that's what I am doing at the moment. But I also have some silver bayonet models there as well. Uh, so this is a gothic horror, Napoleonic setting uh, stuff that's come from Osprey and Joe McCulloch. So i um, also got a few of them. I've been watching your videos,
1: mate. Ah, right. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah,
3: it's a pretty cool game. Um, I'm quite liking it.
0: The Baron's War stuff, have you managed to get that to the table yet? No,
3: uh, I have not for a number of reasons. Um, I am going to probably have to provide both sides and even the rules even when you look at the sort of the basic games the, the more simple entry games they require quite a large number of different types of models like units of eight but like saga and stuff like that so you have to put quite a bit particularly if you're doing both sides you have to put quite a bit down first i am probably at the point where i could now um they've had three kickstarters and i've pretty much painted everything from the first one and Two, so i think i'm almost there but um i'll either use them for the baron's wars game that um uh those guys actually produced andy hobday actually wrote or i could just use it for lion rampant or yeah any other sort of because they're fantastic early 13th century models really characterful and um they um they really touch a nerve for me because i grew up as a kid playing uh, a game set in that era called cry havoc oh yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, right yeah
3: yeah remember. hexagonal map game made by mm. games and um so these miniatures are literally like 3d versions of the games i used to play as a kid so it's a real nostalgic sort of nod there for me personally
0: well give me a shout mate i'll uh, i'll pop up the m6 to you and uh, you can uh, put a game on for me um oh,
3: yeah.
0: last what game last thing? game played uh, last game played is uh, Silver Benet
3: actually, so um, we I played a few Silver Bennett games solo, which are coming out on our to Fire YouTube channel, um, and also I played it at a the club the other with my friend Kev, we all know Kev, um, and so that was good fun. Um, it's very similar to sort of Frostgrave and Ranges of Shadow Deep in style and stuff like that, but it's got a few interesting mechanics to it, so uh, it was quite nice to to play that against a person rather than just solo, because it's obviously a bit different. Uh, so that was fun. And then just before that, um, the other weekend, we had our Wake of Fire hobby hangout live, which was good fun. So me and Ian played some Firefight there. Uh, I also played some Dead Zone and I played some Kings of War Vanguard. So we got quite a few different games done in one day. Um, and that was nice and relaxed and chilled. And you were there as well, weren't you, Bob? So, yes.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, okay, thanks for that update, uh, Andy. Uh, Steve, uh, last yes, purchase. Well, shockingly, I haven't actually bought anything. Wow! It's a last thing. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Are you Are you really a hobbyist?
1: <laughs> well, I did order a three D printed um, uh, model yesterday from Etsy. So um, that's that's about best as i can give you i'm afraid so um yeah that's about I, it i really. keep
0: looking at etsy and the uh, the 3d printing models that are on offer i've not actually dipped my yeah it's gonna be yet. my
1: first uh dip into that type of stuff um yeah. i've got a friend of mine who does a bit of 3d printing for me beforehand um but he's not able to do it at the moment so um i thought i'd give it a go see what i like so you put good, good order in so yep
0: yeah always
1: always the thing has, I've, I've been waiting for a few orders to arrive that was it that was the problem so that's why i didn't want to buy anything else
0: i always hesitate when we come round to the last painted because you're very rarely without a paintbrush in your hands so or in my mouth or in your mouth yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last painted figure or unit um
1: last unit i finished was a um unit of dwarf dwarven berserkers from the um i think it was colin Patton. patterns yeah his kickstarter is ragnarok kickstarter i backed oh i don't know like six eight months ago he, He's has spac- an interesting
0: He's quite an interesting guy isn't he uh, it's him and yeah. duncan his brother who set up gripping beast that's right, yeah. Uh, back in the day, and uh, I know he's he's still doing some. He still
1: scores so. for grouping beast yeah. as far as I know, as well. So, right, okay. So yeah, so
0: um, yeah. I've seen those up on the uh, internet, mate. So they're looking very. Yeah,
1: they're really nice. And at the moment, I'm I'm in the minute, I'm just finishing off the uh, third horde of zombie trolls for my uh,
0: undead army you? On.
1: horde. Ah. Don't get legions of trolls, mate.
0: Oh, Trolls, sorry. So trolls, I was, yeah. i still got, a, I still got their
1: Legion of um, Zombies to do. Yeah. yeah but,
0: but. Uh, and so last game, I suspect it's uh, the tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, in-
1: so I was at a tournament at the weekend um, here in Bristol. at the um, Bristol Independent Gaming, big. Um, ran the uh, Christmas Carnage. So uh, it was Kings of War tournament. Four games at 2,300 points.
0: That's a so a lot in one day, isn't
1: it? It was, yeah. It was, by the time I got to, to turn uh, game four, I was, uh, yeah. I'm not a young man anymore, shall we say.
0: No.
1: I was struggling a bit. I was probably on my eighth cup of co- 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 coffee by then, <laughs> just to keep me going. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was good fun. Good fun. Um, 16 players. So I took my EOD. So uh went for a dust. A win, a draw, and two losses. So, but even the losses, even though a couple of them, one of them was pretty heavy. Um, I felt like I was in all four of the games, even yep. the losses. So you know what I mean. So I was in with a chance of possibly this, winning. Does that sure. goes a certain way then?
0: There's a short video report up on your. There is up on, up on
1: the old uh, Lazy Pirate Painting uh, YouTube channel for anybody that's interested. There's a little report out there, a few pictures. There's some lovely armies there, even with such a small build. Um, as I said, it was only sixteen players, but I'll tell you, people have really upped. You
0: know what I mean? Up their painting. It's oh a, yeah, definitely. It's almost like they haven't been doing anything for eighteen months, isn't it? Well, They're that's the thing, mate. Sitting around and.
1: 18 is, figures. Is. Yeah. But yeah, there's some lovely armies out there. Absolutely lovely armies.
0: I think Steve Hildrew was there, wasn't he?
1: He was, yep. Steve Hildrew was there.
0: Hi, Steve Hildreau.
1: Yeah. Uh, it
0: will be a tradition that we say hello to Steve. Uh, yeah, uh, Hi, Steve. Mr. Uh, James
1: was there for about five minutes and then he had to shoot off.
0: Right. <laughs> so he wasn't yeah. taking part?
1: No, originally he set up the event, as far as I knew, but um, Nick... Um, I think it was Nick Overton had to take over um running it. I think uh Matt had to work or something, I think he said. So so Nick played as, and as well as run the event. So yeah. Having done that before I know how stressful that can be running an event, even a small event of that. But he done he done a really good job. And um I must mention the Moonrakers as well. The lads from the Moonrakers were there. Um and um so John Goons and them. Yeah, they had bought presents for everybody, so we yeah. had a we had we all had, we all got a Christmas present from the Mover Anchors, so which was which was a bit of fun. And then we all got Matt's Christmas presents as well, because that's one of the with a Christmas carnage it's always just a bit of fun, really. um So Matt always does joke Christmas presents for prizes. So um, we had some good ones this year. We had um, what did I win? Um, a box of stuffing. A box of stuffing. Paxo. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sage oh, and did. onion, Paxo. There you
0: go. Well, it is Christmas, so... I think,
1: um, what was east it east we had last year? We had last year, I think, um, someone won a, a carrier bag and uh, oh. someone won a, um, or what was it, um, a wooden spoon in a box. Excellent. So,
0: yeah,
1: very well, interesting it's
0: eastful, actually, Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. Yeah, As I said, cool. it's all a bit of fun. So uh, okay. Sean, on to you, mate. Yeah, to me. Uh, to me, last purchase. God, mm, I'm struggling to think actually. Um, yeah, I'm poor. Anything for a while. That's me. Armada. Armada. Yeah, didn't actually buy that. From, I didn't buy that. So uh, uh, yeah, can't think. Can't think of last purchase. Uh, but uh, last painted was uh, um, a small strike team of enforcers just on the dead zone kick. Uh, the, the the very old ones actually, out of the original starter set. Uh, so the rustic ones, oh, the rustic uh, ones.
1: Ooh. Yeah, yeah, they good.
0: I seem to have um, an abundant supply of them around the house.
3: I have more uh, of them than the uh, hard plastics. I
0: think. <laughs> I, I really like them, actually, and the uh, the Peacekeeper Captain, the enforced Captain. I think is a great model. So uh, painted him up. Uh, actually, painted up way more than 150 points but uh using a, a method that i saw on chris evans's blog not the ginger ninja but uh, chris evans of the dead zone community uh, vaulted the undead his blog is um and he's uh, he's got a few tutorials up on there about using contrast paints or Dead Zone figures. Uh,
1: Ah, we love those contrast paints,
0: don't we? Yeah, we do. I followed that, and uh, they came out very nice. And then um, I took them to a game at the Stoke Club on Friday night, and I scared Rob Berman, actually, um, because Mm. I put Mm. a jokey post up to say I'd won the game. So clearly, (laughs) uh, it's broken. (laughs) And that we need to have a think about what's going on. And I think Rob thought I was serious that I'd found some loophole in the game. <laughs> but no, it was just the fact that I'd, I'd won a game. But that was in forces against VMN as well, yeah. Are you sure you weren't cheating?
1: Because I'm uh, just standing in trouble.
0: I, 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 I very probably did cheat. Uh, but You if just I said
1: you won a game of Dead Zone.
0: I know, mate. I know. It was um breakthrough. Are
3: you playing against someone with 100 points and you're in 102? <laughs>
1: That's what I'm thinking. It must be something like that.
0: I mean, there's got... I, I'll have to... Look back at the footage and and just find out what went on. There's Clearly something went wrong. But uh, it was breakthrough. Um, I got eight models, I think. Aid uh, from my club had got 13 models. So uh, I certainly wasn't going to win an attrition war with him. But he actually forgot. uh, So this this is probably one of the reasons. Uh, He actually forgot the, the victory conditions where... Uh, if you, you got to leave the ta- your enemies through your enemies deployment zone and you gain a, a bonus victory point for each model that you uh, So you control. cheated. No, I, I did actually, no no I did I uh, in my defense. You just didn't tell him the rules. Yeah, the no, Lord.
3: you the scenario, that's how you cheated.
0: I well, I played to scenario, yeah, exactly. Attention <laughs> of cheating. Who knew you could win by playing to scenario? Um,
3: uh, but that, no, we <laughs> catch on. It hasn't caught on in the last fifty years of
0: wargaming. So. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like um, uh, when you start a game and there's the you haven't chosen sides, but how many people actually will choose a side other than one they're actually standing on?
1: Apathy's yeah. the winner.
0: Apathy, yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: willing to be that guy. I am always like that. I am just. I'm, I'm sat here now, so
0: I'm yeah. not moving. I will just uh, very Dead
3: quickly Zone. mention. Dead Zone is one of the games I will change sides on because the terrain is so critical.
0: Hugely, hugely important, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Uh. I'll just very quickly mention uh, my attendance at the Weight of Fire hangout, hobby hangouts and the game. I go against... Reds. Go oh, don't The game me. I played. do Rob. <laughs> against Rob Berman, uh, where I lost uh, tragically uh, because he seems to know how to use wingets and I don't know what they do. Made uh, a so.
3: list, that's why. <laughs> that list isn't going to exist in COP23. Yeah. I mean,
0: so uh, I was uh, really slaughtered and then I had a game against uh, Nick uh, from the Gun Club uh, at Vanguard and I thoroughly enjoyed it, Andy. It was a really good game.
3: We had a great game of Vanguard as well when I played yeah. him. Yeah. We had a giant stomping all over his army, which was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, but now that's a that's a really good game and refreshed my interest in Vanguard. Actually, um, still still a decent game in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I that
2: out. Um, Right, Wait, third so, edition will be the sweet spot. <laughs> this
0: is about, yeah. uh, right, uh, gentlemen, uh, I, I I do thank you. I do thank you for your time, genuinely. Uh, we've overrun, but um We I, always
1: overrun, mate.
0: If you send the invoice through to Steve Evans, care of uh, Bristol Independent Gamers, he'll be Over-
2: But under the yeah. That's the key, isn't it? I'm yeah. sure I'm sure. after the edit, this will be about 10 minutes. So.
0: <laughs> Very po- well, it's probably that 10, long? 10 <laughs> minutes. I wouldn't worry about it too much. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, there was something vaguely interesting was said. <laughs> 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 uh, Steve, anything else from yourself?
1: Um, Did you want me to run through the um, events that are coming out?
0: Oh, yeah, just do, uh, was it January and February you've got?
1: Yeah, I'm going to do January and February, if I can find them.
0: Nice. Here we go. Flip,
1: flip, flip. Right, what have we got? What have we got? I did have it all laid out, all nice from that dropped me pad. Always the way. Always the way. Oh, is this is it.
0: Yes, here we go.
1: So in January, we'll start off with Kings of War. We have uh Stains of Blood. Uh fifteenth of January. One day singles, Kings of War, uh nineteen ninety-five. Uh sixteen players max. That's in the Surrey area. 22nd of January is uh, Winter Wonderland. Uh, again, a gain of singles. 2,350 points. Kings of War in Preston. Uh, the 29th, we have Kings of Hearts at the Pit. A one-day doubles event. 1,000 points per player. That's in Boreham Wood. At present that is sold out but I think they might be putting up a uh...
0: They've got me. Uh, hear me Yeah I lost you we lost you just for Oh sorry Five seconds then but go on Oh
1: sorry I keep Right I think I'm back
0: Yeah Am i back back yeah, yeah, Right yeah. okay
1: sorry about that then into February we've got a uh, beachhead, which is, as far as I can understand, that's a two days uh, singles. Don't know much information. It's on the 12th and 13th of February in Bournemouth. I think that's actually run at a gaming convention. So don't know any more details about that. Yeah,
0: that is run at a gaming convention. I think entertainment down in. Ah, uh, right.
1: And then there's um. Also, on the same weekend, on the 12th, there's the Birmingham Bull Run. In I'm Washington. playing that. Yeah, we're both in that one, aren't we? That's the one yeah. that's being run by um, Steve Hildreau again. There he gets, he gets a, sec- a second mention. So that's a one-day single, three games. I'm down for that as well. Oh, you're down for that as well? Oh, my God. Oh, brilliant. So, 2,400 points. The um, 19th, we have Kings of War Juniors. At Mantic HQ. Uh one day singles, four games. A king of Kings of War one thousand two hundred points. Ten to sixteen year olds. Uh twenty-six we have clocks of war again at Mantic HQ. Singles five games at a thousand points. And finally on the twenty sixth we also have Throne of Ages, which is at High Wycombe. So again, one day singles, three games at 2,000 points. I couldn't find much on the um, dead zone front. The couple I did find, there's in January. I
0: can
1: that. In January, there's um, Ringworld 5, four games, 200 points at Manticate HQ. And I think there's one that um, Andy's running, in, isn't there, Andy? In February? Yeah, it's not me, it's uh, Hal. He oh, Hal,
3: yeah. Running. Uh, Strike at yeah, Shrinehold, Shrinehold,
1: Shrinehold, 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 yeah. Shrinehold, which is four games at 200 points in Manchester area. And then I also found for Overdrive, didn't find anything for um, Dreadball, but for Overdrive, there's on the 29th of January, the Bulk Gorgon Memorial Trophy. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love the name of that. The uh, event pack's just gone out for that, I think.
1: that's uh, Yeah, it's also at Mantic HQ. So there's a few things going on around the about.
0: Excellent, so plenty plenty of events. Uh, yeah, most of the ones, the
1: the Kings of War ones, can be found on the uh, Masters, uh, Kings of War Masters uh, website. If yeah. you want more details,
0: there we go. And the uh, two Dead Zone ones are certainly on the fanat- Dead Zone fanatics. On the case. Dead Zone
1: fanatics,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. For more Anybody wants more information?
2: Well, Dead Zone's you... looking great for this uh, new year. I've got a, a Dead Zone event in every month of the, the first five months of next year. So.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: I think I'm signed up for about the first. I think it's the first three, maybe four months as well. With King's War events, so mm-hmm. there's plenty going on.
0: There is. Yep. Let's just hope and cross our fingers that uh, this army no
1: negativity. Make no negativity. No, yes, no yeah, it's negativity. Positive.
0: It's a podcast of positivity. We're all going to be gaming uh, That's right. every. If it's going to
1: be cancelled. Nothing's going to be called off.
0: Yeah. Um, We're going to go ahead (laughs) We'll keep our fingers crossed Right Uh, Gents uh, I thank you uh, For your time It's been Great pleasure
2: Well it's goodbye from him And it's goodbye from me
0: (laughs) (laughs) And with that Thank you very much for listening That'll do do. Of course it will (laughs) <laughs> he's like, he has gone to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> what am I hanging around with these losers for? <laughs> <laughs>